Welcome to the Creation Podcast. I'm Christy Hardy. On today's episode, we're talking with ICR's newly appointed president and chief operating officer, Dr. Randy Galuza. Dr. Galuza has served as ICR's national representative for almost 12 years. And over the next few months, he'll be taking the helm as this ministry's new leader. Dr. G, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you so very much, Christy, for the invitation. It's really, really an honor to be selected for this position, and I'm excited about actually moving back to the Dallas area and taking over. We want to give our friends and listeners the chance to get to know you a little better. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up, and what was your family like? Wow, I had a great family, just a wonderful family. My dad was in the Air Force, and unlike a lot of Air Force people, we did not move around a lot. So I spent almost all my years growing up at an Air Force base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and basically finished out there all the way through junior high school and high school until I graduated and went off to college. I had a wonderful family. My mom was a stay-at-home homemaker, always dedicated to her kids. My dad was a hard-working Air Force Master Sergeant. I was the middle of three children, my brother, two years older than me, Frank, a great mentor, always loving. He went on to be the Dean of Academic Affairs at Patrick Henry College and uh, went home to be with the Lord about a year ago, and I miss him very, very much. My younger sister, Robin, is uh, living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so I'll be anxious to see her, her husband, and her kids coming up in just a few months. Were you raised in a Christian home? Well, I was not raised in a Christian home, and some people might interpret that to mean I wasn't raised in a good home, and that's that would not be true. had a great home with great parents, loving parents, but neither one of them really knew the Lord and uh, did not uh, teach us um, biblical things or even go to church. So that was pretty much left to us to decide by the time we reached high school. had a great home, but we were missing that Christian element. How did you come to know the Lord? I didn't come to know the Lord until my senior year of high school, and really right at the very end of that. And it's kind of a long, complicated story where you can clearly see the Lord's leading me to come to faith in Him. But the bottom line is this. I met a gal who I took an interest in, and she had just become a Christian about six months before I asked her out for a date. And through the fact that we started to date together, she witnessed to me on every single date and also invited me to go to church with her, which I agreed to do. And she went to a good Bible-believing church where I heard the gospel. So between her constant witnessing on every single date, the Bible that she gave me for graduation from high school, the great teaching I was getting in her Sunday school classes and the preaching from the pulpit from her church, I repented of my sin, and came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ right after I graduated from high school in 1977, which was a time for a lot of people coming to faith in Christ. It was almost like a mini-revival or a mini-awakening in the United States at that time, and I was just one of many. But the point is, you never know who you're going to influence in your witness, so be bold in your witness and talk to your friends. And whatever happened with that girl from high school? Oh, Oh, I, I should have guessed you'd ask that question. <laughs> she, um, we kept dating for about a year after I came to know the Lord. We went off to college together, 
And a year into our college career, after our freshman year, we got married, and we are still married, and we've been uh, happily married for 42 years now. How has your view of science and of the Bible changed since that time? Radically. I mean, I've had a major radical change about the Bible and science. Uh, the Bible all began with the witness from now my wife, June, who is a, also a, a wonderful wife and mother. Um, she started pointing me to actually believing the Bible. As a kid growing up, I knew about the Bible, and at that time everybody held it in reverence. But I never really believed it was God's Word, and it was God's authoritative Word. And that has really changed. Now I recognize that it is the divine revelation of God about His Son, Jesus Christ, to all of us. It's authoritative. It is the guide of our life. I've come to believe that it is inerrant in every way, in every area that it speaks, on history, on theology, and even the areas of science that it touches upon. Speaking of science, that has also changed. Um, Obviously, growing up in in a secular culture and going to public school, I was taught evolutionary theory, and I believed it. In fact, I believed it with all of my heart. And I even believed it after I became a Christian because nobody ever talked to me about creation and evolution. So I saw science initially as very, very authoritative. When scientists spoke, people should listen. And I realized that's, that's not true. Scientists have an agenda and biases just like anybody else. So my view of science has probably come down, realizing that it can be abused. And my view of the Bible has gone up, recognizing that it really, really is accurate. And it is so full of wisdom that I just hold it in awe and respect. Tell us a little about your education. My wife, June and I, right after graduating from high school, moved to South Dakota, went to South Dakota School of Mines and Technology, and we studied engineering. She studied civil engineering, and I studied mining engineering. I did this under the advice of a teacher that I had in high school, and in retrospect, it has turned out to be an excellent decision in terms of the creation science ministry. As a mining engineer, I took a lot of geology which I have used over and over again in this ministry. After our second year at the School of Mines, we both felt that the Lord was leading us into ministry, so we transferred from South Dakota School of Mines to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. What a change that was. And it was really transformational in my life at Moody. Picked up so much education in theology, but mainly I read for the first time the Acts and Facts newsletter and that changed my life. I felt called to the creation science ministry, and under the advice of Dr. Henry Morris, who was the founder of ICR, I went back to South Dakota School of Mines and Technology, finished off my mining engineering degree. Several years later, under a mentor of mine, Dr. Dwayne Gish from ICR, I went on to get a doctorate degree, and in my case, it was a doctor of medicine degree from the University of Minnesota, And then several years later, while I was practicing as a physician in the United States Air Force, I went to Harvard University and picked up a master in public health degree while I was there. All of these degrees have been really, really useful in the creation science ministry today, and I'm really thankful that the Lord led me to get all of that education. Have you always been interested in science? Yes. 
ever since I was a little kid, I've always been interested in science. In fact, my mom indicates that I was interested in science even before I knew what science was, as I would sneak off, evidently when I was just two or three years old, into the room and start to disassemble her sewing machine. And she said I would methodically disassemble it, laying all the parts out in a row, piece by piece, and um, much to her pleasure, my interest in science, but dismay that I was dismembering her machine, that's always been the case. In fact, for me, science was always my favorite course uh, growing up, and then that soon became followed by by math, uh, not so much for English in my case, but at least science and math. And um, my view of science, though, as I mentioned earlier, radically changed after I understood very well what science was all about and the methodology of science and some of the biases of scientists themselves. What is your experience in engineering? I practiced for 10 years as an engineer, and during that time, I managed mostly construction projects. I was in the Navy, and so I represented the Navy on a lot of our construction projects, of which we had construction contractors. I practiced for several years on the island of Sicily, where I was stationed, and then over on the island of Guam. While on Guam, I undertook a huge, huge construction project. It was for a ammunition wharf, which is still in operation today, and managed that project to completion, and then including an in, in even lengthy litigation battle at the end of that. And then I went on to teach a course, a 40-hour course in construction management for the Naval Contracts Facilities Center in Port Wyneme, California. And at the end of that teaching assignment, I transferred to medical school at the University of Minnesota. You also served in the Air Force as 28th Bomb Wing Flight Surgeon and Chief of Aerospace Medicine. What was that like? Well, that was a very exciting job. It was very operational. In many ways, it was very similar to the engineering job I had while I was in the Navy. As an engineer, you're a staff officer, which means you're not one of the line-fighting war officers, but... You're also kind of like a middleman. You're in between the staff and the line officers because you do a lot of construction for them. The same is true for a flight surgeon in the United States Air Force. You're a staff officer being a physician, but you span the gap between the medical community and the line community in that I took care of pilots. I made sure that they were ready to fly and made sure that they could fly safely also, took care of their families, so that was one less burden on their part. So you're you're kind of like an operational physician. You deploy a lot. You fly a lot of combat missions with all these pilots. Sometimes I would fly on C-130s over Iraq and provide medical support in case the aircraft was shot at. And um, you also are in charge of all the operational things for your bomb wing, in terms of medicine, such as occupational medicine, flight line responses, ambulances. Um, You also take care of the bioenvironmental engineering, which means we try to keep all of our workplaces safe so nobody's getting sick when they're working on aircraft around some fairly dangerous chemicals and things like that. So it was a very exciting job in that you get to fill the gap between the medical community and the line community, and you really, really support our warfighting mission. Do you have any stories from that time that stand out to you? Well, anybody who gets 
deployed to Iraq always has a lot of stories to tell. And in my case, I was deployed um, several times. One time I was sent and I supported uh, the transfer of critical care patients from the Iraqi war theater up to a large hospital that we had in Germany. And this is something to really be proud of because we do a phenomenal job these days uh, to save the lives of wounded uh, soldiers and the fact that we get them care so rapidly and we can get them sent to Germany for definitive care so quickly that we're able to save a lot of lives that in previous wars these people would die. So I managed the transfer of patients that have been stabilized in an Air Force theater hospital up to the larger hospital in Germany. On my second time there, I was actually at an Air Force emergency medical clinic, which was stationed right on the runway of the airport there, right in downtown Baghdad. And we would be the first responders after casualties were collected and uh, treating them and stabilizing them. So it was more like a um, a high-pressure emergency room, and then they would be transferred to the Air Force Theater Hospital there. What I do, what stands out in my mind is just the bravery of so many of our soldiers, Marines, Army, Air Force, all of them, and a lot of Navy SEALs there too, supporting the freedom of the Iraqis and the pushback against terrorism. And um, anybody who's actually lived through that would would greatly, greatly appreciate what all those men did to um, just stop the, the spread of terrorism, not just in the, to the United States, but in the entire region. Wow. What did your experience working under such extreme conditions reveal to you about God? Well, it revealed to me that everybody eventually becomes a believer in God in those situations. Um, Clearly, not everybody is a Christian who was transferred to Iraq, but the conditions are, are somewhat frightening. And for people who have to go out every day and mostly at night, we did a lot of our fighting at night, um, it can be a, a frightening situation. And so I met a lot of those soldiers, not necessarily in my medical clinic, but I met them in the chapel. I went to chapel regularly there, and I was actually teaching a series of messages on creation science. And a lot of people who normally would not attend chapel were attending. And I spoke to a lot of soldiers during that time, and it was certainly a time where they took God seriously, and I was able to introduce several of them to the Lord Jesus Christ, including a fellow physician who was an Iraqi physician who was under my mentorship to become a flight surgeon, but I was able to talk with him at length one day and point him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, oh, about a year later, after I transferred home, I got a call from him, and he was anxious to tell me that he had become a Christian. You were actually featured in Acts and Facts. What was your connection with ICR during that time? I was a very, very good friend with Dr. Dwayne Gish at ICR. And as I mentioned earlier, he was my mentor during that time. 
He did not put me up to teaching the creation science series at Iraq. Believe it or not, it was actually the chaplain who heard about my involvement in teaching creation science who asked me to do a series of messages there. They turned out to be very well attended as a lot of people were interested in that topic and were hearing information that they had never heard in public schools before. When I got back, uh, I, Dr. Gish called and he asked what I did and I told him and I t- just mentioned, oh, I taught a, a long, lengthy series of creation science messages there and they ran a feature story in Acts and Facts about ICR, by extension through me, involvement in Iraq. We'll hear more from Dr. G in just a moment. But first, I'd like to tell you about ICR's Made in His Image DVD series. Produced from a biblical perspective, Made in His Image examines the stages of human development and shows that everything we need to fulfill God's plan is instilled in us from the first moments of life. Featuring medical, engineering, and other experts like Dr. Randy Galuza, Made in His Image will fascinate audiences with mind-blowing facts, dazzling imagery, and memorable illustrations. Get your copy today at icr.org store. Want to make the most of your summer? We've got good news. The ICR Discovery Center for Science and Earth History in Dallas is now open. Encounter animatronic dinosaurs, meet famous scientists from history, chill out in our cool Ice Age theater, and discover how science confirms the Bible. We're doing everything we can to make your visit safe, faith-building, and fun. Plan your trip at icrdiscoverycenter.org. Now, let's get back to our talk with Dr. Randy Galuza. Dr. G, when did you become interested in creation ministry? I became interested while a student at Moody Bible Institute. I hate to say that before I went to Moody, I believed in evolution. And for a few months while a student at Moody, I still believed in evolution until I started uh, to have discussions with some of my fellow students, which got me raising questions in my mind about evolution. But the definitive changing point was one afternoon in the library at Moody, I found a magazine which I had never heard of before called Acts and Facts, picked it up, read it in one of those cubicles, and my life was suddenly changed. Two very clear articles, well-written, very concise, about the origin of life and about the fact that fossils look almost identical to their living counterparts and haven't changed in supposedly millions of years, changed my thinking about evolution to reject it in a moment, not over a long conversion, but in a moment, I sat there stunned in my chair thinking, this was wrong, I've been lied to, and I became devoted and passionate about creation science ministry on the spot, waiting each month for Acts and Facts to come, and that's when I felt the calling of the Lord to go into creation science ministry. How did you end up working at ICR? It was through making friends with Dr. Dwayne Gish. Early, early on, I just happened to meet him at one of the camps that ICR used to hold at the time and asked if I could just sit down and talk. Oh, he was very gracious. We sat down and we ended up talking for several hours. And then through the Lord's leading over about the next 10 years, I just kept meeting Dr. Gish at one venue or another, sometimes at events, and sometimes I would just bump into him at the airport or other places. We became really fast friends. He took a liking to me, 
and he started to groom me for the creation science ministry. And that's how it all began. It was through the fact that one man was interested enough and dedicated enough that he would invest some time in me, and he pointed me towards ICR, giving me advice all along the way. You've served at ICR for almost 12 years now. What have you been working on during this time? My main research project has been on adaptation. Initially, I wasn't exactly sure of where to go, but the Lord is the one who gives insights into research. He's the one that opens your mind and enables you to see things that you never saw before and maybe other people never really saw before. It was during that time that I was doing research on what approach do evolutionists use to explain the obvious design that they see in living things that led me to understand that they have a substitute agent in lieu of God's agency to do the creating. And their substitute agent is nature, and their substitute mechanism is natural selection through that. Through a long series of articles that I wrote about natural selection being the substitute agent in lieu of God, I began to realize that we need to come up with a way of explaining the design ourselves. So, for the last several years, I've been working on developing a theory of biological design. This theory will explain the operation of biological functions like growth and metabolism and adaptation, and we will develop models that are very, very similar to human models that are performing similar functions. So in terms of adaptation, I would look at human-designed things that are able to adapt, of which we've built many, many of them, because they also need to operate under changing conditions, and study how human-designed entities function and see if there are similarities between those and living things. As it turns out, there are incredible numbers of similarities. In fact, I don't know of a biological function which cannot be explained accurately by engineering principles. So for the last several years, I've been working on developing a theory of biological design where the underlying assumption is that engineering principles will be the most accurate way to explain biological functions. How has your education and experience helped you in your research? The Lord led to bring me to a place where I had a solid education in biology. That was through the Doctor of Medicine degree. And then, of course, working for ICR, I've augmented that into understanding the biology, not just of the human body, but of other organisms as well. So I've had a really, really good background in biology. But that was not enough. It needed to be coupled to something else, and that's where the background in engineering really came to play. All through the time I was going through medical school, I believe I was looking at functions very different than many of my colleagues in in med school. As I was going through, I could clearly see uh, systems that were operating by engineering principles, and I could see a really, really tight correlation between the function of biological entities and the operation of really sophisticated man-made design. So it's been this combination of an engineering background that has been coupled to the biological background that has really helped me to see clearly that linkage there 
and to begin to formulate that into a theory of biological design. The Lord knew what he was doing through all those years of education and getting the degrees in theology, engineering, medicine that has helped me in this research. The degree that I got at Harvard in public health has been extremely useful in understanding and analyzing technical papers. One of the main activities we did in getting that degree was to meticulously pick apart mostly um, medical papers and see where any of the flaws are in the research. And that skill has been very, very useful in analyzing the technical literature, looking for areas where they've done good research and looking for areas where they've made mistakes. Why do you think creation ministry is so important? The doctrine of creation is the very basis for every important doctrine that we have in the Bible. In fact, the doctrine of creation is the very basis for the doctrine of God. Who is God? Now, we we ask who is God or what is God like, but the Bible tells us who God is. The Bible states right at the very beginning that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created. So first and foremost, above all things, God is the creator and the originator of all things. And so we build from that. The doctrine of creation is so important to the doctrine of salvation. It tells us why we needed a Savior as the Lord Jesus Christ, why we fell into sin, why that was important. And then, by extension, even though it's not directly related to the act of creation, the Bible tells us that there was a worldwide flood. And this worldwide flood becomes the basis for our understanding of geology today. When we look at the rocks and things around us, they only make sense in light of a worldwide flood. Sure, you can come up with some other stories to explain them, but the one account, the one historical account that ties in so many diverse observations that we see in the geological record is the worldwide flood. So the doctrine of creation, which obviously supported by the creation ministry, is vital to everything we hold dear as Christians. It is vital to every major doctrine that we hold dear as Christians in terms of our life here on earth and our eternal state. What do you hope to see happen with ICR as you lead this ministry in the coming years? I would love to see ICR become the leader in bringing about a fundamental change in the way people see biology. I love to see ICR become the leader in a second creationist revival where we are pivotal in helping pastors and Christian leaders see biology in a completely different light in a way that they have never seen it before and that this will build their faith It will strengthen their belief in the Bible as authoritative and accurate, and that will help them to lead their people to completely trust it and to obey it. And the way we can do that is by building a viable model of biology. And this would be following in the heels of the first creationist revival, which was initiated by Dr. Henry Morris, our founder, when he wrote The Genesis Flood. He put together a model which explained geology so 
clearly, so concisely, so cleanly that it was compelling for people to believe it. And it helped pastors have confidence in the Bible. We need to do the same thing, but this time with biology. And I believe the way we can do that is by developing our own compelling model of a theory of biological design. So if we could have ICR leading the way in a second creationist revival, and we're doing that by developing a solid theory of biological design, that would be a major accomplishment. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I can say this. For the last uh, 12 years, it has really been an honor to be a part of the ICR family and to be a part of the ICR ministry together. In every way, it has been a delight And to even be considered for this job of a president is a special honor. And I I just have the highest regard for the entire staff at ICR. He has really gifted us with an incredible staff, with a diverse range of talents and creative people and excited people and dedicated people. It's going to be a joy to work very, very closely with them together as we take the ministry forward, hopefully leading uh, in a second creationist revival. A special thanks to Dr. Randy Galuza for sharing his story on the show today. And thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like ICR to answer your creation questions on future episodes, send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ICR science. Remember to subscribe to the Creation Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. Join ICR next time for another episode of the Creation Podcast.